Thanks to Grant and Maureen for reading for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the name of Jesus has power to give us life. May it give us life this morning. We pray in that name of Jesus. Amen. I like it when uh, someone tells me why they've done something or why they're going to do something or the purpose of a piece of writing, especially when a a reading goes on for a bit, like that one from Maureen just now. It'd be nice if all readings were six verses like Grant's, but it's not always that way in church. And so you get to the end and you think, right, that's that's a great story. I'm really interested in what's happened there, but what's the point? And then at the end, we're told... They're written, these stories about Jesus, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, that that would help, I think, for Christians to believe that that would be good. And that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. That would be good, would it not? So, thank you. We're getting better this morning. We're warming up a bit. The whole point of Christianity is that by believing in Jesus we might have life by the power of his name. Sometimes you might wonder why we bother with it all. It's easy to wonder why sometimes. That's why. That we might have life by the power of his name. That we might recognize that there is power in the name of Jesus to forgive Sins, last week I was here and I think I asked, is there anyone in the room who's not committed a sin? Recently, even since the beginning of the service, no one could put their hand up and own up to being perfect. So we all need the same forgiveness. That's fairly basic. Forgiveness is on offer. There's power in the name of Jesus. There's life in his name for us. For anyone else who wants it. No one is excluded. Not one person. Especially the most annoying people. They're definitely not excluded from the offer of life in the name of Jesus. Later on, in scripture, the ones who get the worst criticism from Jesus are the ones who are lukewarm. A bit like how some of us are feeling this morning, because we're not sure whether the heating should be on or not, and whether you've got a warm enough jumper on or not. So you're not hot, and you might be a bit cold, but you're not sure. Lukewarm, the way that I like my tea that no one's ever learnt over many years. Not like when you go to Boothville and they give you a cup of tea at the end of the service and it sets your mouth on fire. Lukewarm. Lukewarm is not good. He's going to preach one day. (laughs) We're not in to lukewarm. God is not in to lukewarm. 
But there are barriers for many of us in the Christian life and in life in general to being all They're slightly different. Sometimes it's that we've done things that we think are unforgivable. That God forgives everybody else all the things that they've done because they've never done anything quite as naughty as we have. But if people knew the level of naughtiness to which I have reached, then they would understand why it is that I don't think God can quite reach down and forgive me and lift me out of darkness. Everybody else is good, but I'm stuffed. There are some people who are like that. There are other people who terrible things have happened to them that were not their fault. Understandably, this makes it hard to trust that there is a God and Father who loves you unconditionally without reservation that's fair enough I understand that I think but God does love you there are other people who just need that one little bit of proof there's been a bit to the other side of the line and trust that God really is for you. Hi. He's getting quicker as well. Three times in the reading that Maureen gave us just now, Jesus comes, meets people and doesn't start off with a great speech about how right he is about everything and why we should vote for him in the next election. He says, peace be with you. I think it's because they didn't have any. And they needed it. And when he said peace be with you, the ones who were in the room, the disciples, they recognised who he was and they worshipped him. They were joyful and thankful. That was the thing that helped them. Thomas wasn't there, was he? And he gets a terrible reputation in church history and people's reading of the Bible. He gets called Doubting Thomas. But I've got a pretty good sense that if I wasn't here, so on the 8th of May, when it's, you know, I've left, sorry, then, you know, if Jesus came and stood physically here, where I am now, and then everybody here said, oh, Jesus was physically in the room, I might actually wonder whether it happened. Just, you know, I bet my beard would actually be better than his, by the way, but I, I, would, I would seek some kind of extra evidence that he did actually physically come and stand amongst you all and say peace be with you I can understand where Thomas is coming from and the thing is rather than telling him off in the first instance what Jesus actually says is exactly what Thomas has said 
that he needed. He says, Thomas, unless I put my fingers where the nails went, I'm going to find it pretty hard to believe that that's actually Jesus. And Jesus stands there amongst them and says, peace be with you, because that's the most important thing he has to say on that day. Then he says to Thomas, put your fingers where the nails went. Then Thomas has got nowhere to go as he's backed into a corner a little bit. It definitely is Jesus. And he says, my Lord and my God. Jesus does the thing that is needed for Thomas to put his trust in him. He removes the barrier between Thomas and life in the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus. He did that for you. just have to ask that's the generosity of God it's very unlikely that on this side of heaven I'm going to get a mansion because they don't generally only have one floor for one thing but if I ask God to remove a barrier that stops me from following him he's going to give it to me and that's the greatest gift that I could receive from him. It's the same for you, I think. It's just that sometimes we make out that other things are more important for us at this time. A job, a house, health of some kind, whether the rugby team or the football team can score in the last minute or lots of other things, small and big, we can put them in that place where if I have this, I'll be truly happy. I'll have everything I need. You need life in the power of the name of Jesus. You can have it by continuing to believe. That's it. And then we find in our other reading from Acts, that two of the disciples got themselves into a spot of bother, to say the least. It often happens, doesn't it, in the New Testament. The thing that people seem to like the least in the New Testament is people talking about Jesus. Because it changes lives when people talk about Jesus. It changes lives when we see the Spirit at work, whether it's in a conversation or when you pray for somebody and something radically changes in their life in that instant like that. That can happen. Many of us in the room have seen that happen many times before. Others of us have seen it happen very gradually and slowly over a long period of time. But it's the same Spirit at work. And the authorities are frightened. Not because... God doesn't do good things because actually the Jewish authorities believe God does good things too. But because they're losing 
their power. If the love of God is shown in the way that he desires it to be shown, things turn upside down. And suddenly, some of the things that frighten us or have power over us, whether it's an individual thing for each of us, or even national structure, they become less important, less meaningful, because the most important thing is the life that we have in the power of the name of Jesus and wanting that for other people too. A lot of uh, the most well-known biographies of Christian people through history are to do with those people who gave up everything and chose to preach or to pray or to live amongst people who were struggling in one way or another or to challenge unjust structures or authorities or to ask questions of people who were in power but who could obviously be seen to be doing the wrong stuff and we look at them and think oh aren't they amazing aren't they amazing these people isn't it wonderful that 50 years ago 100 years ago 200 years ago somebody looked and saw that something was wrong in society that God would have it another way and they did something Or isn't it amazing that these people spent all of their life listening to God every day when they woke up in the morning and going out and about and saying, have life in the power of the name of Jesus rather than trying to make as much money as possible or some other reason that you could have for your life. Because those stories are great, aren't they? They're encouraging and they help us to realize that there is a way forward. But we don't often think, oh, I could do that. God might have me do that. The disciples who got themselves into a spot of bother didn't have PhDs or loads of money or authority. A lot of them didn't have a lot of wisdom. But they gave themselves to God. And He sent them everywhere proclaiming the good news that Jesus is alive and risen from the dead. That death doesn't actually have any power anymore. God holds all the cards. He's made his choice about you. Will you make your choice about him? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you love us. We're so thankful. We want to follow you. 
God. We want to trust you and believe that there is life in the power of your name. Some of us find that easier than others. Would you help us? Even now, as we pray, would you work in us? Where there's a barrier to following you, would you help us to let go?